Hello and welcome to the Blockade Runner podcast number 214. Today is the first day of spring. My name is John. Joining me today is Ryan. What's up, Ryan? How are you doing on this first day of spring? You know, uh, pretty well. As uh, per usual, uh, the first day of spring is heralded in by a new Weezer record, uh, as (laughs) is the traditions of our peoples. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. We both listened to the new Weezer EP today. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So yeah, it's a good day. A shout out to Tom Chamsky, who uh, Tom Chansky, who I'm sure is celebrating uh, the first day of um, spring with Weezer too. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. all right, well we're going to celebrate by, by uh, recording um, Blockade Runner podcast number 214 here. All news today, basically, Ryan. We just have mm-hmm. a bunch of news stories. Um, much of it related to Kenobi um, and. Uh, the fact that we're um, both officially attending Star Wars Celebration now, mm-hmm. but we'll uh, we'll talk about that a little bit at the end of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, first couple news stories here, though, uh, relate to the ongoing situation with Disney and um, their political contribution stances, attempts to uh, um, kind of pull that stuff back. Um, and, uh, well, actually, I guess our first story here is Amidala Initiative, which is not directly related to Disney, but is related to some awful legislation in Texas. So why don't you update us on that? Then we'll get into the Disney stuff. Yeah. So um, Amidala Initiative, which is, um, you know, a, a fundraiser um, created and led by Star Wars fans to um, raise money for uh trans youth in Texas who are uh facing some incredibly awful discrimination um and their families are as well um so uh last time we talked the fundraiser had just started and had uh made uh $7000 um for or so for um the Equality Texas Foundation um and as of today they are at $11,903 uh and are extending the campaign through April um as well and they're going to be um there's going going to be some uh some sort of incentives and stuff coming and some like I think raffles and that sort of thing um because this is something you know a lot of Star Wars fans and creators have really been um rallying behind I'm seeing a lot of you know podcasts um and Star Wars content creators that I follow on Twitter like hey if you send us a receipt that you donated I- anything to this initiative like we'll send you some exclusive content or stuff like that. So I'm seeing a lot of that and um, they've got t-shirts now, um, which are pretty sweet. Um, all, you know, all money going to this uh, um, Equality Texas Foundation. So um, it's awesome to see this continuing. Yeah, that's fantastic news. Uh, yeah, that's that's really great. So cool. So it'll be uh, continuing here for the next uh, month or so. Um, it sounds like, or even a little more than that. And, um, we will of course, um, you know, link to it in the show notes here and, uh, continue to try to get the word out about, uh, about that fundraiser. Yeah, for sure. Okay, cool. Um, so then, uh, Ryan, why don't you, um, next update us here on this, um, 
kind of uh, movement within Disney um, to kind of stage some walkouts and put some additional pressure on uh, on Disney and Bob Chappick. Yeah, so I think um, I think most everyone um, <laughs> has what well, with a few exceptions, which we'll get to, um, have agreed that the uh, um, the Disney response to um, them uh, donating primarily to Republican candidates in Florida who had sponsored the Don't Say Gay Bill. Um, and then the, you know, just consistent fumbling of a response, um, like three times, basically, um, by Chappick. Uh, you know, people have generally agreed that it was not very satisfactory, um, that response. And so kind of where we're at now is um, internally within um, Disney, there is an, um, there are, there have been some... Uh, unofficial um staff walkouts um that started on march 15th um so those are you know groups of staff members there's been some pictures and stuff online there's a twitter account i think it's just like disney walkout or something um that you can find you can like be more tuned into it but they're you know people are doing them like on their on their breaks and um you know, at certain certain times of the day uh, and to kind of keep the pressure on so that this doesn't become a thing that um, everyone just forgets about in a month um, without any real progress being made on it. Mm. Yeah, you know, I thought the most interesting thing about the uh, or, well, I guess the, the surprising part, because I'd seen some discussion of um, the walkouts, so. It's not that it's the most interesting part, but it is the part that surprised me when I read this article on Deadline, which uh, we'll link to, of course, um, was uh, at the bottom that uh, DeSantis in Florida, the governor, uh, DeSantis in Florida is now starting to use this as a talking point in his campaigning process and saying like, oh, Mm -hmm. can you believe Disney and look what they're doing and um, kind of uh, choosing to make Disney... um, an enemy and it's just another wrinkle or complication in the whole thing, I guess. Um, but, uh, not, not surprising, I, I guess, you mm-hmm. know, um, I feel like, um, people like that or politicians like that look for the, the, um, I don't know, the salacious kind of, or the, 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 yeah, they look for this kind of thing that they can, they can twist and manipulate and like rile up their followers with. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, certainly an ongoing saga here. Yeah, yeah. uh, Massive piece of shit. Uh, Ron DeSantis uh, has, uh, you know, he's, you know, there's talks about him having the, like, a presidential run in 2024, Um, you know, possibly, you know, against Trump or whatever nightmare scenario we can possibly dredge up here. In the primary. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but... um, for the Republican nomination and he like he issued like I mean and it's funny too because like we've been talking about like how Disney's response has been like pretty weak sauce um across the board and uh but uh apparently it was uh just unforgivable from uh from him and you know he d- did a press release about woke Disney um those words 
he used those, combined them together, uh, which is just hilarious. Um, and then also, like, he's connecting, like, in his statement, like, it's it's just hitting, like, all the all the all the talking points because he he's like connecting them to communist china and all this stuff like it is just absurd um i don't even want to like read his statement on here but that dude sucks and people who support him suck too so fuck them okay yeah (laughs) sure yeah absolutely yeah uh okay well anything else on that story ryan uh, no, but, you know, it'll be something that I think is not uh, not going away um, anytime soon. And I think it's going to be interesting to see how, you know, I think, I mean, first of all, like these bills need to stop like these kind of punching down at marginalized group um, bigoted bills like they need to stop like the shit needs to be shut down. Um, and then, like, beyond that, which is more the scope of this podcast, uh, it'll be interesting to see how it affects um, Disney's content um, going forward. And I don't think we'll really see anything on screen that's, um, you know, just with the the length of time it takes um, for stuff at this, at the scale of Disney productions to be completed. I don't think we'll see anything... You know, that's a direct response to this um, in the next, you know, year or so. But I think beyond that, I think um, we'll see if they really follow through with more inclusive content or if this kind of scares them off. And, you know, we go back to the like finding Dory days of like, oh, those two women there, they can be whatever you want them to be. Um, Kind of wishy-washy Disney uh, kind of standard fare um, regarding this stuff. But it'll be interesting to see, I guess. Sure. Yeah. Um, I I don't have it up and I didn't actually even read the story. I just saw a headline yesterday, but, but I saw a headline that said that in the, the, uh, Lightyear, I think the movie's called Lightyear. Is that correct? The Buzz Lightyear, like, origin story movie or whatever it is. I, I don't, I'm not really yeah. following it. Um, but apparently there was a same sex kiss in that animated movie that apparently was taken out. Uh, it sounded like at the behest of Disney. And I think I'd seen some mm-hmm. talk of that online, mm-hmm. like Pixar insiders at Pixar, you know, or anonymous sources at Pixar or whatever saying like, yeah, they, they kind of tell us to pull back on that stuff. Um, apparently that is, um, being restored now for the movie Lightyear before it comes out this summer. Mm. Um, but again, it was a headline I saw. I don't know if that's true or not, yeah, but, uh, that's- but that would be an example of, um, uh, uh, you know, this directly impacting content and, and what is shown in content, you know? So, yeah. um, not really like a, a, an example to celebrate so much if it's like, well, it was in there, we said, <laughs> take it out. And now we're like, okay, I guess begrudgingly you can put it back in. Yeah. Not really, uh, not really a rah, rah moment for Disney uh, mm-hmm. or anything like that, but, um, could be an example of what you're talking about, um, one way or another. Yeah, for sure. And I think like as far as it like bringing it back to like Star Wars in particular, um, I think there's just in the past few years, there's been such a wide gap between like queer and trans representation in 
the uh, publishing, publishing side mm-hmm. um, versus what's actually on screen. Um, and I wonder if we'll see that gap uh, shrink because um, it's not like there aren't queer and trans characters in Star Wars. Like there's a ton. Um, they just don't make it onto screen. Um, or if they do make it on screen, you don't actually know anything about them. Um, so I wonder if, you know, now that they are bringing more characters from publishing to other, you know, to screen, basically, to the games, the animated series, the, the films, the t- live action TV shows, I wonder if that will be a consideration as they bring those um, characters over. Yeah, I would think um, two two examples that come to mind are the Leslie Headland series um, that's in development. Not that we you know know for sure that uh, that there are characters um, you know um, fitting that bill in in that show or not. I don't know, but um, you know it seems uh, possible. I guess this would be the first example that I can think of of uh, a queer person. Um, directing or being like you know directly responsible for a star wars show right so i mean Mm -hmm. um it seems like that would be a good candidate for um you know representation in that regard and then also um your girl dr afra has been Mm -hmm. heavily rumored to have a show um oh i don't know heavily rumored maybe not the right word but uh there have been rumors persistent rumors for years now Mm -hmm. that a dr afra dr afra show is in the works and she's certainly a one of the most popular characters from publishing um, Mm -hmm. in this era. Right. So those both seem like, um, you know, decent possibilities um, for uh, queer characters in Star Wars in the future. Yeah. Well, let's uh, let's hope we see more of our universe represented in the Star Wars universe going forward. All right. Yeah. Sounds good. Okay. So, Let's move from there into the Kenobi article from Entertainment Weekly. Uh, Ryan, I am going to be kind of filling you in on the Kenobi article. Yeah. Uh, that being said, like um, that being said, there's a lot of stuff that was pulled from this article and put into those like smaller daily posts that that EW was doing last week. And um, as I was reading this, I was wondering, like, were there more of those little like daily posts that I may have missed? I, I don't think so, but there could have been. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, I, uh, I've probably talked about it on the show before, but I, I do the Apple subscription and the iCloud subscription where I get like, cause I have Apple, Apple music, like family subscription and I pay for extra storage and stuff. So basically like there's a bundle where along with Apple music and cloud storage, I get Apple arcade, which is cool. Although I don't use it that much. Um, but, uh, Apple arcade and then also Apple fitness plus, which I also don't use very much. And then Apple news plus, which I also don't use very much, but is cool <laughs> in moments like this because, um, there's a ton of magazines in there that, uh, that are included in that subscription. And one of them is entertainment weekly. So, um, when this new issue of entertainment weekly came out, I was able to uh, pull that up, um, and read that through Apple news plus. So I, um, have read through the article a couple of times, which is, um, uh, let's see. Now I'm waiting for it to load in, um, mm. in the program because while it's it, like, while it's loading, it's loading uh, like it, 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 it like slides pictures around and moves text around. It's very high tech and things like that. So I'm waiting for the it, credits. But anyways, yes, while it loads, what? Uh, while it loads, um, this is also the 
final print issue of Entertainment Weekly, yeah. correct? Um, yeah. Do you yeah. have any idea when that hits the newsstands? I would assume it's out now. I don't know. Okay. Um, I don't know. Cool. Good question. I, I want to pick. Yeah, that, up. that would be a nice one. Yeah, because yeah. I have. Yeah. I mean, I have like Entertainment Weeklies about Star Wars, like going back to like the prequel era, and it feels like you know, sure. ending on a Kenobi one with Ewan McGregor. Like, it just feels like something I should have. <laughs> kind of. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. Um, yeah, kind of in line with the Vanity Fair magazines and, and stuff that come yeah. out for movies and things like that. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, well, anyway, it's uh, the article is written by Dalton Ross, which is what I was waiting um, for to uh, to load up here. Um, and so, yeah, if anybody, I guess um, that co- may have sounded a little bit like an advertisement for Apple uh, for the iCloud Plus, whatever the, pr- the platinum program is called or whatever it is. But uh, I um, brought it up more in, in, uh, the event that anybody out there has that and doesn't use it very much, kind of like me, um, <laughs> letting you know, you, you can probably read, um, this EW magazine for free on your phone or iPad or whatever. So, um, but yeah, I, I, I went through and, you know, I read it and pulled out, um, a few things of interest that I thought we could, uh, discuss and, um, you know, not, not much of it is like news, um, that, that, you know, um, isn't out there or whatever. Um, I mean, partly because EW does like split these stories up and, and put them on online every day. Um, and, and, you know, that kind of thing. But, uh, yeah, there's some standout moments. One of which is the discussion of, um, Hayden Christensen's first day, um, on the set as, uh, as Darth Vader. Um, I mean, the article opens up with, uh, Ewan and, and Hayden, um, both being asked or kind of discussing, the their the fallout from from their time um, working on the prequels and just sort of like how they processed the kind of criticism of those movies and and all that sort of thing um but then like when it kind of gets into discussing um the 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 show happening you know now and that kind of thing um it it opens up with discussing um hayden's first day on set um and um the fact that like Ewan McGregor actually is discussing it and saying that like normally like he came onto the set and he's like, what's going on? There's like a hundred people, all these crew members that are normally like off doing things and, and, you know, doing their jobs and working and whatever. And like, everybody's kind of like lined up looking and he's like, I don't understand what's happening. And then he says, Vader comes around the corner into the street. And I was like, ah, fuck, of course. Um, and so, uh, it was kind of a, a cool story that there was this big moment, um, where it was sort of, uh, Hayden's first day on set as uh, Darth Vader and, and, uh, people were, were, uh, pretty jazzed about it. Um, you know, I remember there's a behind the scenes feature on revenge of the Sith, which is, uh, you know, kind of similar, like discussing, or maybe it's rogue one too. I know there's a behind the scenes feature on Revenge of the Sith about, you know, Hayden wearing the costume and coming out on set and all that kind of stuff. But uh, I want to say for Rogue One, maybe there was a uh, a lot of talk of that too. you know, people just being like, whoa, you know, um, crew members and everything being really reverent and, and kind of excited about um, about Vader being on set. Um, but uh, yeah, um, and actually later in the article, Deborah Chow says like, that uh that day she felt bad for you and and you and had a little bit of a like what am i chopped liver kind of thing because you know he's used to getting a lot of attention on his own show um but then like when hayden was back as vader at least the first day that's where uh, everybody's attention was so nice um yeah so anyways i thought that yeah. was kind of funny um 
of interest, more, more like, um, you know, kind of, this is news to me and something I thought was pretty interesting, um, is the fact that to kind of pitch the show to Hayden Christensen, um, Deborah Chow actually, uh, went to Canada to his farm to talk to him, um, about, uh, about joining the show. Um, so, you know, I thought that was, that was pretty cool to hear that, uh, that she kind of went out there and, and, and made the pitch to him, you know, to come back. That's awesome. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, I was kind of searching for that part here again. Um, but, uh, yeah, she said that, uh, or he said, Hayden said that they kind of spent the day together and, and she was just kind of like explaining, um, the concept and he was, you know, pretty much like, yeah, I'm on board for sure. Let's do this. Um, she told me about the, a little bit about, uh, the project and her vision for it. And I just thought it sounded wonderful and I was very excited to come back. So, um, nice. yeah, so, it should be good. Okay. I'm, I, he, I, I should know this. I'm going to ask it anyway, cause I'm, I'm 99%. I know that sure. I know this, but Hayden was not in the costume for rogue one. Correct. No, no, no he wasn't. He wasn't in. There is a quote about that here in the article okay. um, as well. Um, and it might take me a second to find it. Um, I think it's a little earlier here. But uh, essentially, um, you know, Kathleen Kennedy said, like, no, you know, we only were just doing that one very specific scene. And she didn't use the word stunt, but it's like a very stunt specific scene, obviously, or whatever. So um, there was they didn't, they didn't reach out to him or talk to him about it or anything like that. Um, and Hayden's comment is good as well. Cause I wish I could, Oh, here it is. Okay. Hayden says, I wasn't part of any of those conversations about rogue one, but I loved what they did with it. The character predates me and it's always been a collective effort in a lot of ways. I thought it was brilliant. So, mm. okay. Yeah. Um, but I, I think that's a, that's a, that's a very, uh, good, you know, kind of outlook on it as well. It's like, okay, even, in the original trilogy, it's like you have, um, David Prowse, but then you also of course have James Earl Jones, right? So Mm -hmm. it is very much. And then Sebastian Shaw and later Hayden, um, as Anakin, but you know, it's, it's never been just one person bringing that character to life anyways. Um, and so, yeah, uh, I think that's a good perspective for him to have to say, look, you know, it's a, it's, oh, it's always been a team effort basically. Right. So, yeah. And I, in other words, he doesn't own that role, you know, as right, right. Um, I, I just, I wonder, like, I feel like it's been the past maybe three or four years that we've been like getting this kind of like reevaluation of the prequels, um, Mm -hmm. and a, a lot more fondness, but I think around the time of Rogue One, it was still like, you know, after Force Awakens, and I think I would say around the time of Rogue One, it was still like, yeah, we're getting real Star Wars movies again. Like, not like the prequels was kind of the the vibe, I feel like. And I wonder if it just wasn't time yet to bring him back. I wonder if that would have like worked against that movie in a sense. Yeah, that's a, that's an interesting point. That's, that's, that's probably true. Um, now that you mentioned that I hadn't thought of that, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't think there would have quite have been the same. I mean, we would have been excited. I think like on this podcast, I think a lot of oh, our friends sure. obviously who are, who 
who are big prequel people would have been like, hey, that's great. But also at the same time, I feel like, and I hope I'm not shooting myself in the foot when I say this <laughs> or whatever, but I feel a little bit like, um, you know, if you announce to an audience that Hayden Christensen is playing the role, um, me as an audience member expects that I'm going to see something of his face or that there's going to be some kind of Anakin flashback or like, I just, uh, I kind of, you know, highly doubt that they brought Hayden back to walk around in the costume and never have the helmet off or never, you know what I mean? So considering what happened in Rogue One, I think like had I known six months before I saw Rogue One that Darth Vader was in it and that Hayden Christensen was playing Darth Vader, and then I went to the movie theater and it was just him slashing his way through a hallway. And, you know, um, there was no, no Hayden really. I mean, mm-hmm. it, yeah, that's not really the right way to put it, but you know what I'm yeah. saying? Um, I think I would have been, would have been surprised. Of course, Vader was, Vader was not a surprise to us, right? He was in the trailer and everything, wasn't he? Yeah. I think like him remember. talking to question. Krennic was in the trailer. The hallway scene wasn't, but him like Krennic going to his weird egg, I think was in the trailer but i don't know like yeah. i'm thinking about that like because i still like i still just don't know how vader is gonna work in this uh kenobi series and you know i'm glad i'm i'm curious like and that's that's good to be curious about um how they're going to pull something off um but i think part of me is also like you know just even if it is just him in the suit just knowing that it's him in there is nice as well yeah 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 i agree i agree i agree um and i I think it's it's good um yeah no i'm happy if if he wants to do it you know what i mean if it's just him in the suit and that's all it is and he wants to do that and Mm -hmm. you know he played that character right he played he played darth vader in revenge of the sith in the suit so like if he wants to do that and that's all it is like that's cool with me as well um and, you know, here's the other part too, right? I think he's going to be playing this role. Well, we know he's going to be playing this role in Ahsoka now too, don't we? Right. Yep. So even if he plays the role now and it's like, well, you know, we don't see his face and, and whatever in, in the show, like, I think that's fine. Um, but also it's not like it's the only opportunity he's going to have, right? So I guess, I guess what I'm trying to say, if you know that Darth Vader is going to be part of Obi-Wan Kenobi and also going to be part of Ahsoka and then who knows what else, you know, there's a possibility he may be part of. It's like, yeah, we want to we want to get Hayden back into the role. We want to have this person playing this role consistently in a variety of things. Let's do it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, but then also like... Um, in this case, because it, it comes up in the article, they ask him, and uh, of course, the, he's like, oh, well, of course, I can't say anything about that if you're going to see my face or if you're not, right? So, or if there's flashbacks or whatever it may be. Um, this would be, to me, I think this is the show to do it in. I guess Ahsoka too, but, you know, um, and we're going to talk during this episode about uh, Darth Vader's role as the villain in the show and how we feel about it and things like that. But mm-hmm. um, I think, like, this would be the show in which, I want to get a little bit of Anakin under the helmet in, in some capacity um, because the story has got to be um, or his involvement in the story has got to be heavily connected to his relationship with Obi-Wan Kenobi. So, you know, that would be the time to see a little, a little Hayden, I think. Yeah, for sure. More on that though. Okay. Um, (laughs) Another thing I thought was uh, really compelling and interesting from this article, a little tidbit, I guess you'd say, but the article um, does confirm 
that Stephen Daldry was lined up to do an Obi-Wan Kenobi movie. Um, and there's a, like a new section of, uh, the article that's, that starts with the sentence and then solo happened. Um, but, uh, but, <laughs> and, and it goes, you know, runs through all that and everything mm-hmm. and discusses it. But, but yeah, Stephen Daldry had been, um, you know, the person who was going to do, uh, a solo movie or not a solo movie, a, a Kenobi movie. Um, so, you know, I know that we'd heard that, right. We'd heard that rumor and stuff, but, um, I don't think it had been confirmed anywhere. Um, yeah, I don't know. Do you know if that was confirmed or I, I don't, that one didn't feel as strong as like the James Mangold Boba Fett movie one, which mm-hmm. like seemed like really confirmed. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't, I mean, there were, I mean, you've got to think, you know, at that time, those like Halcyon days when they're like every other year, new Star Wars movie, character specific anthology stories. These are going to be huge. Let's start with a bang. Here's Han Solo. And then, yeah, yeah, um, didn't quite work out that way. Right. But but. Like and another thing I did not know until I read this article, um, and I don't know had been previously revealed, is that you know you remember the the, the era when you know Ewan would be on like a late night show or something, and the host would be like, oh, what about you know Obi Wan Kenobi? Would you ever you know? And he he's talked about it how he would say, yeah, I'd be happy to do it or whatever, and that he was nervous that at a certain point it looked like he was like asking for work or whatever, <laughs> um, which an actor of his stature you know doesn't want to feel that way, I suppose. Right. But but the article points out that like he had made some of those comments publicly. Lucasfilm saw or heard, you know, obviously was aware that he was making those comments, and then they called him in, had a meeting with him, and said, "Look, we've read that you said you'd be happy to do it. We just want to know if you mean it or if you're being polite, because we're thinking that could be an option. <laughs> but we want to know if you're in or not." Mm-hmm. And he says that he said, "No, it's absolutely true." Like, but. I don't know. It's just one of the, I mean, that's totally logical, makes perfect sense. But, you know, when I've heard him talk about it before, it's me thinking like, well, they've always been in cahoots on this, you know, and then he would get asked about it and he'd have to kind of like pretend that they weren't planning this. Mm-hmm. But there was a while there where he was being asked about it and they truly actually weren't planning it yet. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it was like he was talking about wanting to play Obi-Wan Kenobi before Lucasfilm was talking to him about playing Obi-Wan Kenobi. And that's just kind of like surprising and, uh, I guess kind of fun to me. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Mm. Um, okay. A few more things, uh, from the article here. Uh, Obi-Wan is a broken man at the end of the prequels is, um, the language that, uh, that, uh, Kathy Kennedy and Deborah Chow and Ewan McGregor used to describe him at various points in the article. They talk about that. He's a broken man. Um, and, uh, this is like, I, I guess part of what the, the show's goal is, is to kind of bridge the gap between the Obi-Wan Kenobi at the end of the prequel trilogy, who's this broken man. Um, this is specifically from Ewan McGregor here. He says, Obi-Wan is lost. He's a broken man after what happened with the Jedi Order at the end of episode three, but also what happened with Anakin, that he lost him to the dark side. He feels an enormous uh, amount of responsibility for that and guilt. Um, and then the writer Joby Harold says when we last saw Obi-Wan in the prequels he was very emotional there's a passion to him and then when we get to him again in A New Hope he is the Zen master 
that was a story I wanted to understand what had happened to Obi-Wan between the guy that Ewan had brought to life and the guy that Sir Alec Guinness brought to life. So, um, especially considering some of the other stories that have come out this week and, and some talk about like the show and, and the direction it's taking. Uh, I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah. What do you think, Ryan? Yeah, I think that's, it's cool to have that verbalized, I think, because there is like, you know, there's, I think there's like the big question of like the necessity of this, um, of this show and like the, just purpose and like the you know thematic purpose like is it is it just a cash in to like you know bring back some fan favorites or is there like an actual story in there so i've been kind of like running that through my head and like thinking about like what are the differences between obi-wan at the end of revenge of the sith and him at the beginning of a new hope and like for me i i kind of never I never really needed that filled in. Um, you know, there was that, you know, we, I have it on my shelf cause we, I think we made a, a pack to read it like two years ago. Um, when this yeah. was like rumored, the, the Kenobi book, um, mm-hmm. you know, and that came out and people were like, Whoa, this is cool. We get the story between. And like, you know, I was like, I don't know if I really need that though. And, you know, it was like EU and, everything and i was like i don't know like it it kind of like i can connect the dots in my head like pretty easily um but the like the more i think about like some of the subtle stuff um i think something about alec guinness in a new hope is he's very weird at the Hmm. beginning he's he's an extremely strange man and uh i think the the kind of like strangeness that you can only get from like living in isolation in the desert for um many years um but like he's also just like very you know in in tune to the environment there and then i think the comment about him being like a Zen master um, kind of thing that, that, you know, which I know was like kind of George's intention with the prequels. I mean, starting from Phantom Menace was to use Qui-Gon to kind of inform the person that um, Obi-Wan becomes, because I think Obi-Wan in A New Hope is more Qui-Gon than he is at the end of Revenge of the Sith. Um, Mm. Like, he's he's pretty wise by the end of the prequels, but, like, he's not, you know, like, he's not ready, he's not, like, ready to die (laughs) in the way he is in, um, you know, A New Hope. And so I think leaning into some of those aspects of the story could be really, really cool. And I think there there is actually a story to tell there. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think, um, I just, I, I feel like it does work as is, you know, prequels to original trilogy. And uh, I would agree, as somebody who's super, super excited for the show, but I, I would agree that like, 
you know, especially early on when it was like, oh, well, we might do an Obi-Wan movie or an Obi-Wan show. You know, I, I certainly kind of felt like, um, you know, like the character's pretty fully realized to me. Um, and mm-hmm. I don't feel like there's any kind of like continuity problem or anything between the prequels to original, original trilogy. And, you know, I always just assumed he's out there in the desert and he's doing his duty and it's lonely and it's boring. Um, but that's the sacrifice he's making to protect Luke Skywalker. Um, so from a character development perspective, I like to like, I, I, I feel like this is a good perspective. I, I think it makes sense, you know, like, Hey, he's, he's really like the worst thing that could have happened to him is where we leave him in mm-hmm. Revenge of the Sith. Like that's essentially the worst. I mean, every Jedi is basically, you know, is dead except for like all the other ones they keep finding now, but like <laughs> other than that, all the Jedi are dead. Um, and, uh, and, and he had to, almost murder his best friend, you know? So it's like, that's a very dark place. Um, and so I, I do think it's interesting to say, well, that's where we left him. Like, that's where we're going to pick him up in this show. But, um, you know, there's going to be some development here that's going to get him from that place of being very broken to being at least a little, um, a little more at peace by the end of the show. And I don't know what like plot wise that looks like, but, uh, I'm interested to find out. Um, but the other thing too, is like, I guess, you know, it, me being a, a teenager and in my twenties and, you know, whatever it was, um, my whole life, I guess, um, thinking about him out there on Tatooine, you know, it's like, yeah, well, he's there protecting Luke and that's what he does and that's it. But, uh, I think obviously this show is going to present a situation in which Luke's in a little bit of danger or Luke being discovered. Um, the, the, there is a danger that he will be discovered and, you know, it makes sense that over 20 years of him watching over Luke, there'd be some drama, there'd be some conflict, there'd be some danger. And, uh, you know, even that alone is, I think kind of worth exploring to me. That sounds like fun, you know, um, Mm -hmm. and an interesting, an interesting story to tell. So, uh, you know, but, but I guess all that being said that it, it won't, uh, it sounds like anyways, it won't just be like, Hey, this is a, this is a compelling plot. Cause Luke almost gets caught and he doesn't or whatever, you know? Um, right. It's also, they're, they're looking at how do we grow the character and develop the character, uh, through that story too. So, yeah. Um, yeah. it, it so, definitely I mean, it good. increased my excitement and hopefulness for the show. Mm. Like that, like those, those comments there, uh, in particular good. made me definitely made me more excited, um, more so nice. than the trailer to be honest. Oh, okay. Okay. Interesting. Well, that's good. Um, two more things. Reba, um, there is some discussion with, um, Moses Ingram and, uh, and, and Joby Harold about, um, Reba. Um, and, uh, Joby Harold says that Reba will contribute to the legacy of star Wars villains in a really interesting way. So, um, that's pretty, inter- you know, pretty compelling to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what that means. The article says that uh, uh, Joby Harold and Deborah Chow use the words ruthless and ambition to dis- uh, ambitious to describe her. Um, and that uh, Moses Ingram says Reba is a boss. Um, I mean, really like a full on athlete. She's on a mission and she will conquer that at all costs when given the opportunity. She's pretty badass. Um, putting on a cape was a dream. I didn't know I had, I felt like I was 10 again. It was super dope. So, um, <laughs> all of that Sold. is pretty, uh, yeah, pretty fun. Right. Yeah. Um, and there's also a great comment from her in here too, um, where she says, Deborah was really great about moving from the initial vision to what we arrived at for Reba's hair. 
uh, the question was specifically about her appearance. Um, so Deborah was really great about moving from the initial vision to what we arrived at for Reba's hair. I wanted kids to have their own hair at Halloween. When they want to be Elsa, they get to put a blonde wig on. Uh, now there are so many kids that'll be able to wear their hair at Halloween. That's going to be really exciting. So, wow. um, yeah, that was a cool comment as well. Yeah, totally. I think, uh, you know, I think that's, uh, I mean, if, uh, you know, if this lands and it, it works, it will be another iconic hairstyle, uh, for, uh, for Star Wars, you know, the, the Leia, the Leia buns, the, the Ray, uh, well, three, three braids, three, uh, buns, I guess, uh-huh. um, uh-huh. kind of thing. And, uh, that's cool. I, I like that yeah. ambition. I like that goal. Yeah. And then uh, EW used the opportunity there to insert a little graphic um, showing the uh, transformation of Obi-Wan's hair from episode one to two to three uh, with some comments from um, from Ewan on uh, on each of those hairstyles. So um, which which hairstyle would you like me to share Ewan's comment about uh, um, the, the Jedi right? rat tail? <laughs> the Jedi rat tail? Mm hmm. Uh, well, he doesn't actually talk about that. He just talks oh. about like the length of his hair in the Phantom Menace. Oh. So would you instead want me to talk to you about the Attack of the Clones hair? The, the mullet, yeah. Yeah. Okay. He says, holy shit, it was like a Jedi BG. We called it the Jedi mullet. It could be in some second degree way a little cool, but not really. <laughs> it was very mullety and quite inspired by the BGs. I didn't like it very much, but I guess there's some sort of progression. <laughs> <laughs> that is perfect. So. Wow. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. That delivers. That's pretty good. It could be in some second degree way a little cool, but not really. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's very cool. Yeah, I, I I love that look. Um, Ryan, I didn't pull this out of the article, but maybe I'll share it with you just to get you riled up a little bit. Um, the authors ask about possible cameos in the show. Um, and uh, could there be cameos from characters that are in, say, like The Mandalorian? And um, this is what the article says. While the powers that be will not completely rule out any of that, they are also quick to make a distinction between their world and the one seen on the other live action series so far. All of that falls within the Mandalorian timeline, Kennedy says, of potential crossover characters, while Chow adds that the strongest connective tissue for us is to the prequels, because that's where our characters are coming from, and that's where their story started. So really, the prequels are the most connected to our series. Good. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> good yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah so i feel like both of them are like well that's not really what the show is 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 yeah. connected to or please about, don't know? be like i love yeah, no, i, I love din like i love grogu they don't need to be in this show like no. i i i will still recognize everything as star wars without them having to make appearances like it's not but could you go for could you go for some cameos from like you know dexter or um like wat tambor or something like that wat tambor is dead but you know like um i think like i mean prequel cameos yeah i think like if it makes sense like any prequel stuff is fair game like it wouldn't it would make sense for him to well, maybe it wouldn't. I don't know if it would make sense for him to go to Coruscant and see Dexter. No, I don't think. I don't so. think, I think that would that stay wouldn't. away from Coruscant. Yeah, um, I don't actually think we'll get too much of that kind of thing. No, um, but it. I do like the idea that it's like if we were going to do that, it would be 
or just just the fact that she Deborah Chow was saying like, look, we are more inspired by the prequels, and that's what we're looking at for connective tissue is is that story, not you know the yes, Mandalorian. Or that's yeah. that's very good. Um, I like that. Um, there was wasn't there a rumor about a prequel actor? I don't even know if I should say it because it's like no, don't say it if you're th- yeah. if you're. Yeah, there's a lot of rumors. There's a lot yeah. of rumors. So we'll see. We'll see what happens as far as... There was one in particular, there's, there's... and I'm like, that one would make sense that they would be in contact. Sure, sure, sure. Oh. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I can think of a couple, honestly. Yeah. That would make sense, really. Um, but yeah, 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 yeah. So we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. But um, I, I will put it out there now. I won't be shocked if Ahsoka pops up at some point in some way. That wouldn't shock me. And and yeah. from a storytelling perspective, like all the chess pieces on the table or whatever, it's not like it doesn't make sense. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm going to roll my eyes a little bit. If Ahsoka's in the Mandalorian, the book of Boba Fett, Obi-Wan Kenobi, Ahsoka, uh, you know, like every single show, like, well, you can't do a Disney plus live action show without throwing Ahsoka in there somewhere. That's going to get a little it's, old. I think. It's going to become a joke. Like yeah. real fast. I, I already, kind of felt it in like book of boba fett where Mm. i was like you are you are walking a line now (laughs) like yeah uh, um yeah so that's that's not like yes it makes sense but like it's really not necessary like i don't need to see live action ahsoka and live action obi-wan interact like that no and to me to me the the reason i could see it happening is like well you've got hayden christensen in the show and you know it's like it it you know i mean come on you know so like that would make sense but he's gonna be in her show so like we can just do that yeah. in her show we don't need yep. to do that in the obi-wan kenobi show yep but all that being said i still won't be shocked it would not shock me uh, yep. um <laughs> uh, it's, okay it's last a, thing it's a bet you you put on every single uh star wars television show and you have been right like 90 percent of the time <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah yeah okay last thing here um the article starts to wrap up with some discussion of the show being billed as a one uh six episode season um but could there be more and um, Deborah Chow says it was definitely conceived of as a limited series, and it is one big story with a beginning, a middle, and an end. The approach has always been that it is one full story. Um, Kathleen Kennedy says it is certainly something we talk about, mainly because everybody came together and had such an incredible time. Ewan had an incredible time. Hayden had an incredible time. So certainly from that point of view, everybody involved would love to see this not end. But we have to really spend our time asking the question, why would we do it? If we were decide to do, if we were to decide to do anything more with the Obi Wan character, we'd have to really answer the question why. Um, so my reaction to that is, I guess I need to see the show before you know I know how to feel about that or whatever. But um, if I'm trying to read the tea leaves there, or you know, kind of whatever, it it sounds to me like there are definitely not any plans for that. Um, and for her to be saying like, look, we'd have to come up with a pretty good reason to do it. Um, and Deborah Chow saying the story has an end. It definitely seems like it's like, we're not going to, it's not going to be one of those shows when, when it wraps up, we're like, Oh, they totally left the door open to do more. Or, you know, like Mm -hmm. it feels kind of like it's over, but also like, you know, like you'll remember Ryan from the end of stranger things season one, when the little like worm thing comes out of Will's nose and then it's like upside down again, you're like, Oh yeah. Okay. Like this is totally open for a second season, but 
I don't think we're going to have that kind of moment here with, with the Obi-Wan Kenobi show. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm happy everyone had a nice time doing it. Uh, uh-huh. and, yeah, that's good. Uh, I, I don't know, but like, yeah, please don't just do something without like a, a story <laughs> after the story is done. Um, like it's, I don't know. I'm very, you know, even like I'm, I'm expecting to like this show, possibly love it. Even if I like love it, if that's the end of the story, like that's okay. Just let it be the end of the story. Don't like tarnish the what's what you made by, you know, overstaying your welcome. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I think like, oh, well, Ewan really had a great time. Well, I don't know. He doesn't probably, he's probably not the kind of actor who'd be like, yeah, bring me back for a cameo or bring me back for like a little, you know, whatever here or there. But I don't know. Then again, maybe he would. J.J. Abrams said that like the coolest like one day thing he ever did was Ewan McGregor Showed riding up on, up his, on motorcycle. His, his motorcycle and doing his his line for The Force Awakens and riding off into the sunset. So maybe he would. But um, yeah, I mean, like two years from now, four years from now, five years from now, like there's some story being told and it's like, Oh, it makes sense for Obi-Wan to be over off in this corner or whatever. Uh, Hayden's going to be doing more already. I think we know. Mm -hmm. So, you know, like, yeah, I just feel like let it be. And maybe there's some places, some opportunities or just, you know, in a few more years, do that really great, like Phantom Menace celebration panel that you didn't do it star Wars celebration Chicago and have everybody come back for that, you know, um, or something, I don't know, or make like a really, really great documentary about the prequels and just have everybody mm. come hang out and do that or something, you know, I don't know, Th- yeah. have a party. Let's do that. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, or have, bring have it to that. Broadway, bring it to Broadway. Have you and McGregor play Obi-Wan on Broadway with Hayden, you know, I'd go to that. Yeah. Moulin Rouge sequel. Dude, my gift is my song. Yeah, that would be fantastic. Um, okay. Well, great article in entertainment weekly. Um, I definitely enjoyed reading it and made me excited for the show. Um, looking forward to more to come and, uh, I, it's probably out now, uh, on new stands where it will be coming out soon. So, um, definitely would be one to pick up for the collection, as you said, Ryan, mm-hmm. um, or, uh, check your Apple news app and, and maybe it's in there to read for free. We have one more story about, um, Kenobi. This one made some some uh, headlines, some waves this week. Um, even made some waves in our little texting back and forth, Ryan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is about Darth Maul um, originally being, allegedly originally being part of the plan for the Obi-Wan Kenobi show. So I've been talking a lot. Do you want to kind of share your thoughts on this or uh, summarize it or whatever? Sure. I mean, basically, like, this is this is a weird one because like there's a uh, some real conflicting reports here. Uh, I don't know. You know, this was, um, you know, this is a a Hollywood reporter, uh, Boris Kit Joint, um, who is, you know, pretty pretty. That's a pretty reputable source on it. Um, and basically, I mean, the report is that. Darth Maul was going to be the antagonist in um, the Kenobi show. And that was in kind of the, the first, um, the initial scripts. Um, and that Ray Park had 
shown up um, to to meetings, to sets, and it was like all going to happen. And then it didn't. And I'm I'm like so confused um, by like this part, like that it, it says Ray Park was an active prep. And so like did and which was denied by Lucasfilm, but like the the idea of like him coming and like being in I would assume meetings and then them b- being like, no, actually we're like changing the script. Um we're like rewriting it, like that's pretty wild to me. Um so I was just thinking about it and you know, uh, potentially connecting some dots with the last, with the EW article. Um, and it's like, well, we know that the Obi-Wan project was somewhat amorphous because it was a movie, um, Mm -hmm. being led by Stephen Daldry. And then it became a TV show. Um, first with, you know, being scripted by, uh, Hossein Amini, I believe is his name. Mm -hmm. Um, and then obviously Joby Harold took over. Right. So we know that there was like multiple stages of conception here for the show. Um, and, the big thing, at least the way it's presented in Entertainment Weekly and also seems extremely logical, is that Solo came out, didn't do that great, and then they were like, whoop, let's change gears. Um, so Ray Park is in Solo as Darth Maul. And so, mm-hmm. or Maul, I suppose. But anyway, um, he's in that. And so like to me, it's like, okay, well, um, hey man, we have you on set. You're doing the, the scene for Solo. We've got ideas to do this Obi-Wan thing. We want you to be in that okay, I'm Ray Park. I'm in the gym. I'm training for this. I'm starting to do my like Darth Maul choreography again. I'm making sure I'm ready to go, you know, et cetera, like costume fittings for solo, maybe continuing that process a little bit. I can see that stuff. Like I can see where this is a recipe or a soup in which things can get a little bit confused about who was doing what for what and like, when did it all go down and how, you know what I'm saying? So that to me, um, is, is, seems fairly possible like a series of events but it's like okay well we have you back for solo and we're thinking we're going to do an obi-wan project and we we're thinking we're going to have you in it that even seems you know pretty logical too um and the way the article presents all of this is that the scripts from hossein amini um that deborah chow was you know brought in to direct for disney plus involved maul as one of uh it sounds like one of a number of villains or villainous characters who were in pursuit of Obi-Wan and Luke Skywalker. So, you know, none of that is too hard for me to believe, uh, really, but I feel like the way it's all being talked about or kind of interpreted or, or the assumptions being made are that like, basically the show we're getting now was supposed to be about Obi-Wan and Darth Maul instead of Obi-Wan and Darth Vader. Like almost like it's like a, let's just take Darth Maul out. And then we'll put Darth Vader in instead. And to me, that doesn't seem like really what this is kind of communicating. It's more like uh, there was these scripts that were written by Hossein Amini. And then they said, uh, for a number of reasons, one of which is the fact that it seemed really similar in concept to the Mandalorian. There were these scripts that were written by Hossein Amini that they were working on. And then they said, we're going to stop this. We're going to rewrite the scripts we're going to go in a different direction. And at that point they decided Maul was not the direction to go and Vader was the direction to go instead. That all seems fairly believable to me, you know, and logical. And I think it like also in 
important here is Kathy Kennedy's comment about changing the direction of the Kenobi show to quote unquote go bigger. And like that. Well, that's from Fabro, isn't it? Uh, or either Fabro or Filoni. Oh, yeah. No, you're right. Um, and then, okay. And then Kathy Kennedy um, pressed the pause button. Um, so, yeah. I mean, like that idea of like, I I wonder also if there was like the, they're like, yes, this is what we're doing. We're This is where it's going. And then they're like, but what if we can get Hayden Christensen? And then once they got Hayden, they it was like, okay, well, let's let's do the the Obi Wan Vader story, which you know, um, I which I think is better. Um, yeah, like I think we're ending with the the better uh, result here, um, personally. Um, but I think, um. You know, it's yeah. I th- I think there's so many reasons why it makes sense. Um, I think it's you know I think it's funny that like the you know like mall mall showing up in things is just will never stop being funny to me. Um, <laughs> and uh, like just the part of me that like craves chaos, like uh, like. I, I like it from that sense, but um, like, I mean, I don't know what the similarities were to Mandalorian, but if it was feeling similar to that show, like, well, don't do that because you already have that show. Um, and then also, like, we did get kind of like the definitive, like, Maul Kenobi ending in rebels um and like i and people were like using language like oh this would have retconned it rebels which doesn't make any sense to me like that still would have been the story this would have just been like a different like point in time or something i don't think i mean they would have just had to like write around that um but i th- i think the problem was and i I'm not, you know, like this doesn't even really matter to me. So I barely paid attention, but I think the problem was the way it was presented in the twin sons episode of rebels was like, they didn't know about each other or like there was some kind of, it was like, well, if they'd cross paths in the Obi-Wan Kenobi show that's being made for Disney plus like 10 years after the prequels, the way they talk to each other and the way they cross paths in twin sons doesn't make sense anymore. Um, and I want to say even it was Pablo Hidalgo who was like, this would have been being developed like, you know, way after we made that episode of rebels and it doesn't like, there are people at Lucasfilm who would be like, wait a minute, that's not how that doesn't line up. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Um, I don't know. Anyway. Yeah. It, that was one of the interesting things about this whole thing is that like Pablo and other people at Lucasfilm were kind of like, what? No, this is like, they usually don't comment on stuff that much. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. And this time they were like, Mm-mm, nope, not true. I, I mean, I feel like there's there always could have been some sort of twist to like write around it. Uh, like there could mm. like Darth Maul gets smacked on the head at the end and has 
or like i mean he's crazy also like by the time that happens where like he could you know you write in a thing about like his you know him not remembering things or you know his his mind being a mess because he's so like corrupted and messed up like i mean there's a whole lot of darth maul stuff that like doesn't quite make sense that's out there as canon do you mean like the fact that he died and then he didn't (laughs) (laughs) it was literally cut in half um yeah and i think like i don't i don't know i think (laughs) uh this is this is for for the best um Mm. you know i think it's Yes, we have extreme Vader overexposure, um, but, and also, like, I think, I don't know, yeah, like, we have Vader overexposure, I don't, the, the Inquisitors don't quite do it for me, um, as antagonists, um, but I think combining the two and the fact that it's Hayden like makes that easier to swallow for me. Um, whereas I don't, I don't know how excited I could be about a Darth Maul antagonist in this show like even if and i i i like ray park um and i i think that's that's cool i mean i love darth maul and the phantom menace um but honestly that's kind of where it stops for me yeah 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 i mean to me the 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 simple math or the simple equation or or however you want to put it is that um Obi-Wan and Darth Maul crossing paths again would be a very big deal for Darth Maul, but I don't think it would be as big of a deal at all for Obi-Wan Kenobi. You know what I mean? Like the stakes are just not as high there. And I think we even see that in Twin Sons. It's like, that's part of what's beautiful about that episode or whatever is that, and and kind of, you know, going back to the idea of Obi-Wan being this wizened character by the time we get to the original trilogy, like he's not that worried about Darth Maul. You know what I mean? No. And, and of course you can make the argument like, well, he killed his master. He killed Qui-Gon. Um, but yeah, like we want to view Obi-Wan as one of the, um, one of the strongest examples of the Jedi ideals and, and all that and philosophy and stuff. Like he shouldn't be sitting there in the desert, like, you know, having this big grudge against Darth Maul and like looking for revenge on Darth Maul. Plus he cut the guy in half. So like, I just don't think like, you know, it's not Darth Maul to Obi-Wan is not that big of a deal. It's a big deal to Darth Maul, but it's not that big of a deal to Obi-Wan. Um, and like, the mm-hmm. obvious drama, the obvious conflict, the obviously like rich, um, you know, relationship to explore is him and Darth Maul, you know? Um, so I, or not him and Darth Maul, him and Darth Vader, <laughs> Obi-Wan Kenobi and Darth Vader. Like yeah. that's the obviously like kind of rich relationship to explore. So it's just so much better on that level. Then the other thing is like, I keep going back to Luke Skywalker because Obi-Wan's mission is to keep Luke safe and it's not to keep him safe from Darth Maul. You know what I mean? That's not like we're like, oh my God, everything's going to hit the fan if Darth Maul finds out about Luke Skywalker. <laughs> no, it's it's yeah. it's the Emperor and Darth Vader that can't find out about Luke Skywalker. So again, if you want me to feel, I mean, I know they're not going to, so it's okay. But if you want me to be tense or scared at all for Luke's safety, like 
the stakes are high when it's Darth Vader and it's the Emperor and it's the Empire, not when it's crazy Darth Maul wandering around the desert pissed off at Obi-Wan Kenobi for cutting his legs off. You know what I mean? Like, that's just yeah. not the story that would be a big deal to Obi-Wan. So I think when Filoni and Favreau or whoever it was said, like, no, let's let's think bigger about this, like, go bigger, like, mm-hmm. no, go all the way. Like, who matters to Obi-Wan Kenobi? Darth Vader. Like, let's tell that story. I think that's that's the way to go. Yeah, I think that was like a good way of putting it that like there's Obi-Wan is not obsessing over Darth Maul in the in the desert. <laughs> right. Um like it it reminds me of like that that Mad Men uh scene where you know dude's talking to Don Draper and it's like I feel sorry for you and Don Draper's like I don't think about you at all. Uh like it's kind well, of or it reminds me of that great scene from Street Fighter the movie where Raul Julia says that was like the most important day of your life for me it was, it was Wednesday t- or Tuesday, whatever. Tuesday. It was Tuesday. <laughs> um, but yeah, and I think like when when Obi-Wan strikes down Darth Maul in Twin Sons, it's like it's more out of pity. Like he's not like finally i will have my revenge uh like he's not like stoked on it like he's like wow you're alive and you are a mess like okay (laughs) i i you you gotta go like yeah you're not gonna stop i need to take care of this now um Mm -hmm. so yeah i think uh ultimately this is for the best Yeah. And quickly, one more little piece of icing on the cake for for you specifically, Ryan, is um, it it really sounds like the original um, batch of scripts was a lone wolf and cub story. And Mm -hmm. that was the problem with The Mandalorian. Um, And it's just like, I know you were a little bit like "Mm, uh, Luke's little baby Luke Skywalker in the show. Like how much like do we need like a lot of that or how much of that? You know, Mm -hmm. it sounds like it really would have been like a buddy cop movie between <laughs> Obi-Wan Kenobi and baby Luke Skywalker. So I feel like that's another reason this is probably better um, that they, that they, they hit the pause button. Yeah. Yeah. You don't, yeah. you don't want to do something so similar to Mandalorian. Like when that's, when that shows like thriving and telling that story really well in a way that makes sense. And I think the way the lone wolf and cub story is told in Mandalorian makes way way more sense than like i don't i don't want to see i want i want to see obi-wan watching luke from afar i don't want to see like them going on adventures together like i yeah Yeah, that's my thing it's like it's like even if even if mandalorian and that lone wolf and cub story doesn't exist right i still kind of cringe at the idea of like little luke i'm i'm thrilled that he's going to be in the show like in a very i assume a very limited way mm-hmm. but i don't want every episode to be about luke and obi-wan on the run together you know i i think that'd be too way too much so yeah. th- this just seems uh like the better call um okay one more call lucasfilm may be looking to make here or may have already made or whatever um is or will uh, never make <laughs> Or we'll never make. That's and there's a good point. never yes. even been talks about this because you never no, know. But the, yeah, but the story broke this week that um, Damon Lindelof could be working on a Star Wars script on a Star Wars movie. Um, Ryan, you're a, a fan of Damon Lindelof, I think, right? Um, I am as well, although I've you become one. I do. Yeah, I've, I've become one. Um, I think, you know, there's, you know, every everyone goes back to like to lost with him and with JJ too. Like there's still like, there's still a little bit of stink 
uh, there, I think, on on their careers, just with how that show kind of took a nosedive um, towards the end. And it's like, oh, these guys can't finish stories. They can, and, you know, like mystery boxes and all that. And like, that's that was directed at JJ. And then like, JJ wasn't really even involved in the the last uh, part of Lost, but I don't think he even finished the first season of Lost. So yeah, you know, but if anything, you could say like JJ came up with the concept and then you totally took off and and didn't even like you know what I mean? Yeah. So, but it's like that yeah. that follow through that like you know oh these guys just introduce a bunch of mysteries and then like nothing is satisfying and like it doesn't make sense and you know I think they're like. That was like, you know, pretty, pretty early in Lindelof's career. Um, He. I don't remember the details too much, but like he was like really, really green on Lost, right? Like, I think like he just barely even like, yeah, had had been in the industry at all or like almost like it was like a fanboy type thing that somehow got like hired in to work on that show or something, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah. And like, um, but what's cool about that what i do remember from like when i was obsessed with lost and like reading every interview and everything i could find on that show um i remember reading an interview where um jj and i and lindelof i believe their their first meeting um i don't remember who it was but one of them was wearing a a bantha tracks shirt like in an og one and they like really bonded over star wars um lindelof might be wearing a bantha tracks shirt in this photo in this article that you have linked here so oh, okay um, might be him <laughs> okay um <laughs> i think that's what he's wearing there oh perfect um and uh yeah i just remember them like talking about like their love of star wars and how like that informed you know their storytelling and they're like oh yeah we're gonna be a great fit for this show and anyways uh lindelof um you know lost kind of at the end um but then you know then he co-wrote uh a movie that both you and i enjoy uh prometheus Mm -hmm. um and I think like with that, I was like, okay, this, this, he, you know, there, that was also like another collaborative thing where, you know, I don't know, you know, which parts were his, which parts were Ridley Scott's, but I was like, this is, this is pretty compelling and interesting and cool. Um, I like that movie. Um, but then I think he did, he did the leftovers, which, uh, I haven't seen, but like everyone I know who's seen it is like, you have to see it is the best shit ever. Um, and I don't know. Um, I, I do want to watch it at some point. Um, but I think the more recent thing that he's done that like, as far as genre stuff goes is he did, um, this wild, uh, and I'm, I'm talking about it. Like it's this thing no one's ever heard of, but it's like a huge show, but yeah, he did this just wild really smart and artistic interpretation of watchmen or set in the watchmen universe um which is generally like a place that's like pretty hands-off um like you know people don't mess around uh much in in the watchmen verse because it's you know it's one of the greatest graphic novels of all time and um you know people are highly critical of it and i think you know his 
story is pretty much the only Watchmen story that for me felt like, yeah, this is on the level of, um, you know, Alan Moore's um, and Dave Gibbons, like seminal work. Um, and like it, but like interpreted for modern times and, yeah, I thought that was so, so good. And I was like, man, this dude, like this dude has fully, fully evolved. Um, you know, he's he loves genre stuff um, and he's but like he's just gotten so much so good as a storyteller. So for me, seeing seeing this news, I think, you know, 10 years ago, I would have been like, eh, I don't know. But like now. I would say, yeah, like give it to him. Let's see. Yeah. Um, and the the article that you linked to that we'll link to as well um, points out that since Watchmen came out and was a huge success, um, the only thing that he has been linked to that he's been working on um, or, you know, that he's known to be working on is the show called Mrs. Davis at Peacock. Um, but, uh, you know, the it's a 10 episode, sounds like it's a 10 episode series at Peacock. I don't think that it's out yet maybe it's out i don't know um but uh you know the article makes the argument like okay well you just had this huge success with Watchmen, and like going and doing a show running a show writing a show whatever at peacock is like probably not all you're doing or that doesn't seem like that tracks like the career it seems like a like a a small sort of thing to be doing i don't know if i would if i would go with that or not necessarily i suppose whoever wrote this article knows more about the industry and stuff than i do but at the same time you know um if he's really invested in whatever this show Mrs. Davis is, if he believes in it, if he's like cares about it, like why wouldn't that be the only thing he's working on? Or why wouldn't he be like really, yeah, you know, going wholeheartedly, you know, putting his whole effort into it. Like, um, I, I don't like the idea that like, uh, necessarily anyways that like, Oh, I made Watchmen for HBO. It's this giant hit. Now I'm going to like uh, attach myself to like 14 different projects and I'll give 20, you know, Colin Trevorrow when he was working on Jurassic park and star Wars at the same time, my mornings are on Jurassic world and my afternoons are on episode nine. No, thank you. You know what I mean? So, um, well, that's kind of JJ too. <laughs> well, I don't like that. You know yeah. what I mean? I don't like that. Um, mm-hmm. although I don't really think, well, whatever I, like when he was working on force awakens, he was working on force awakens. And when right. he was working on, uh, rise of Skywalker. I think that's the case too. It wasn't that long of a t- period of time he was working on Rise of Skywalker, but I don't mm-hmm. think he was like busy working on other stuff um, with either of those things. But yes, you're right. He is always attached to like four million different projects. Um, but anyway, uh, I don't know. I I I love Prometheus, and um, I like the JJ connection, and uh, I like this guy from what I know. So mm-hmm. um, seems like a a good idea if it's happening. Um, but it definitely also is very much a rumor. And even when things are announced by Lucasfilm and starwars.com, you still never really know <laughs> if they're going to happen or not. So this is just one of those things where it's like, who knows, but, um, I would be interested to see what comes of it. If anything does. Yeah. Okay. Um, one last thing to talk about before we wrap up the show, Ryan, you and I are both going to Star Wars Celebration in Anaheim. Yeah. Well, well. Those are Ryan's I'm going to Celebration hands there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Tickets went back on sale last week, uh, March 15th, I believe. Ryan, you weren't sure if you were going to be able to get a ticket or not um, because they had not been on sale. Yeah. So that was a welcome 
development. I mean, I was and- literally checking every like every week. I was checking like StubHub or whatever, and it was ridiculous. Like eight hundred dollars for a single day ticket. It was so bad. Um, like the four day pass, two thousand dollars. Like mm. it was so bad and. Um, but I would just keep checking like, oh, maybe someone's going to put one up at face value or like close to face value or even like double face value. Fine. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, it was just ridiculous for a while. And I was like, oh, I can't. I, I would just feel like gross spending that much money. <laughs> but like, also, I really want to go. Um, and so, yeah, then uh, finding out that it was, tickets were going back on sale was really exciting. But also it's like, well, how many tickets? Will they sell out to scalper bots in 30 seconds? Because that's what happens to everything that goes on sale online these days. Um, but yeah, I, uh, you know, I was <laughs> I was literally teaching a, a class of uh, 30 children <laughs> and I, uh, you know, pulled up the um, like I got in line and I was just, you know, teaching and I would just like glance over at my phone, which was like on my desk and like teaching and like glance over and like see my progression in the line. And then, um, you know, finally, uh, it, you know, the tickets went up at a perfect time. I had transitioned my class to specials, uh, to PE. And, uh, and then I was like able to just leisurely, um, you know, sign in and order my tickets. Um, which was which wasn't leisurely for me because I was like slamming my information in there, <laughs> like and like uh, there was like this option to like buy merch and stuff, and like you had to like scroll through all this, and I'm like, oh, this this all looks dope, but I don't care. Like I just need my tickets. Like I can't like I can't look through all this right now. I just want to make sure yeah. I get the tickets. Um, I'll buy it at the show, like um, which I think you can actually buy it online and like pick it up at the show or have it sent to you if you're a ticket holder so that that works out um but yeah i was so happy to get uh i got saturday and sunday tickets um i didn't want to take any time off work um so i'm like flying out friday night and then um flying back i do have monday off work so i'm just gonna fly back middle of the day on monday uh, which is nice. And yeah, then we had some hotel dilemmas um, trying to figure that situation out. But, um, you know, by by Tuesday night, I had my uh, hotel and flight booked and my tickets secured. So feeling pretty mm. good about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and of course, I, I bought my four day pass in june or july of 2019 whenever those went on sale i can't remember now so it's like oh my god it's been like the the amount of time since i bought my pass um is that has passed by the time i go to this event is about the amount of time that usually passes between two separate like star wars celebrations you know what i mean it's been a three-year window um since i bought my since the last celebration but also since i bought my my pass for this one um so that wasn't a concern for me but um getting the days off of work was something that was, you know, kind of stressing me out for a while there. So I got that done, um, which turned out not to be an issue at all, but I was a little worried about that. So that was good. Um, I have flight now too. Um, so happy about that. And, uh, I booked this, like, I'm pretty sure it's gonna be like a flea trap, like really like (laughs) 
Um, I don't know, not a great hotel, but it has three beds and uh, two rooms or something like that. And um, there's a Taco Bell right across the street. So uh, yeah, I think it should be pretty cool. We'll see what happens. Um, But um, for for those who... uh, (laughs) For those who don't have a hotel yet, uh, or not, not, not a hotel for those who don't have tickets yet, who are still thinking about going, I will throw this out there. I don't even know, like if they, I think they sell Friday and Sunday tickets available if I'm not mistaken. Um, but my brother, uh, lives in California and, um, he is going to come up, um, at least on Saturday. I don't know if he ended up getting any more tickets or not, but Saturday was sold out and he just like had the site open to buy tickets um, on his computer or whatever. And he said he would check it like every half an hour or hour or something like that. And at one point during the day, the Saturday button was like there again, you know? Mm. And so then he clicked on it and got a ticket in his cart and bought the ticket. Um, and then like pretty shortly after it was not available anymore again. So I'm wondering if it's like a thing where like people canceled their tickets or Mm. there's some kind of, there was, there must've been something going on in the system there where, um, you know, he was able to, to get one, even though it had already been announced as sold out or whatever. So, you know, if you're somebody who's like looking for a specific ticket or a pass to celebration and, um, you weren't able to get it done before, uh, you could consider just keeping an eye on that site and seeing what happens. And then I would say too, um, don't ever, you know, obviously pay like the crazy scalping prices for tickets. Um, I've never bought tickets secondhand for celebration, but I remember, Usually with all the other ones in the past, like in the couple weeks before the celebration, that's when like stuff gets real and people are like, oh, wait, I can't go to this or mm-hmm. I, I'm not doing this for whatever reason. And then they put them up for sale. So even if celebration doesn't do like the official reseller site that they did in 2019, um, I would think like on eBay and Facebook marketplace and stuff like that, you might be able to find some some celebration passes, you know, and even if they're marked up a little, hopefully they're not marked up like crazy, crazy. So and, you know, and this is like probably the, the tiniest number of people who that might apply to who would even like be looking to go last second. But, you know, if you live on the West Coast or I don't know, who knows what the situation might be. Um, like I was trying to talk Dan into uh, or we were like, Dan, just get a ticket for Friday and Sunday and then do something else on Saturday or, you know, use my pass for half the day on Saturday or whatever. So um, there could be people like that who are like, oh, well, I was going to go, but, you know, the 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 one one of the days I can't get a ticket for or whatever. I don't know. I just keep an eye on the site and see what happens. So Yeah. Yeah. My um, recommendation. Yeah, it feels like it's not going to be limited capacity. Um, which, you know, I think there was a question of um whether that was the case. Um that's what happened to our um local Denver um com- comic fan expo thing. Um last year mm. it was like it was the convention like it happened, but it was at like 75% capacity. So like, like there were less tickets, but this seems like it's full capacity. Um, so yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, uh, I really wanted to go to this one. Um, you know, this is the, uh, it's attack of the clones. Yeah. Like, yeah, it was, uh, I'm really glad. Really glad I was able to secure tickets and uh, make that happen because mm. I'm I'm excited for um, whatever Attack of the Clones festivities there are. Yeah, I think with no celebration for a couple of years now, um, and 
a few new shows in development and and other stuff like that plus attack of the clones I, it feels like it should be a pretty big show like there should be a lot going on so uh that's exciting i mean we're just a little more than two months out so um i would think pretty soon we'll start to get some announcements about programming and attendees and you know things like that so that's something to look forward to as well and should uh should be exciting and um i'm also curious to see i i i hope uh maybe the star wars show returns uh star wars show live and does Hmm. the uh i i would think i would have to think and hope that they're planning on doing the live all day coverage again so um you know even for those who are not attending in person that uh, I know in the past has been really fun, right? To be able to watch from home and, and follow along. I did that with Celebration Europe uh, quite a bit, and yeah, and uh, yeah. So, anyways, hopefully there'll be there'll be things to look forward to, even for those who. But there definitely will be things to look forward to, even for those who aren't attending, because trailers and announcements and things like that. But um, yeah, I'd like to see Andy Gutierrez and Anthony Carboni back, and um, you know, who knows what'll happen there. So yeah, I think there is something like serendipitous about it being the. Attack of the Clones 20 year anniversary and like Obi-Wan Kenobi show with Ewan McGregor and Hayden Christensen like happening like at that time like that show is going to be airing at like the time of celebration I think there's uh it's I think it's going to be prequel fans are going to be eating well (laughs) <laughs> at, at celebration 2022 i think which is which is uh, exciting because i i loved the uh you know the phantom menace vibes of the last celebration and it yeah. was so cool to see like ahmed best get like an ovation and i want to see like i want to see that happen for Hayden christensen as well hey you know what i love the phantom menace vibes of the original celebration Ooh, whoa there you go yeah. old timer yeah Right there in Denver, Colorado. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, no, no. I, I think it's time for Ewan McGregor to come to his first Star Wars celebration, too. Um, that seems extremely likely. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. So Sounds good. Um, maybe he'll don the mullet for a, for a Attack of the Clones panel, you Oof. know? So I was really hoping he would be at the uh, Phantom Menace retrospective. Um, and obviously, he wasn't. Um, but it would make sense for him to be involved in this one, maybe a little bit if they do a panel like that. We'll see. I don't know. Uh, it was also cool that a lot of the like um, VFX and, you know, kind of behind the scenes people got their shine at the Phantom Menace panel too, though. So yeah, I, that was a good thing. Why not both? Yeah, for well, Attack yeah. of the Clones. Yeah. Let's, let's get everyone out there. Let's have multiple mm-hmm. Attack of the Clones panels. Let's have all the panels be Attack of the Clones. And there could be a panel just devoted uh, squarely to Wat Tambor. At this uh, at this weekend, you I know? don't see why not. No, yeah, he might be back and better than ever. All right, um, so I am excited for a celebration. You're excited for celebration, um, but we're going to wrap up the show there. Uh, so yeah, thanks thanks very much for listening. Happy first day of spring. Um, we will be back um, next week, I think, with a new episode. Until then, you can find everything we do at blockheadrunnerpodcast.com. No, we, we won't be back next week. No, because I'm going to be traveling next week oh. i'm gonna be in your oh town. that's right <laughs> unless we record one live uh, now nah, we're gonna take spring break off we're gonna take yeah. off spring break. that's okay okay yeah. all right okay so we'll be back in two weeks mm. Mm. yeah but then two weeks is wrestlemania i can probably squeeze in a recording during wrestlemania <laughs> weekend okay fine uh, but anyway <laughs> we'll be back soon with another episode of the blockade runner podcast 
And uh, until then, you can find everything we do at blockadebrunnerpodcast.com. You can reach out to the show, email us, uh, share your thoughts, blockadebrunnerpodcast at gmail.com. Um, let us know what you're looking forward to at Celebration and if you're going to be there. That should yeah, be fun. Let's, let's have some meetups. Seeing... Let's hang out. I want to yeah, see well, people. We already have... There's been a pandemic. I haven't seen <laughs> people in years. Let's yeah, hang. we already have some plans to meet to meet some uh, some people, um, and I'm definitely looking forward to that. So that's going to be good. Um, but yeah, Blockade Runner Podcast at gmail.com, or you can follow the show on Twitter at Blockade Run. And Ryan, you are on Twitter at Via Malay V A Y A M A L A Y. All right, so thanks uh, once again for listening, and we'll be back sometime soon with a new episode of the Blockade Runner Podcast. We are all the Republic. <laughs>